Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're for a really exciting episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, we have the great, the marvelous, the incredibly talented Stephanie Strange has joined us once again. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming to co-host this episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's always a treat to have you here. Guide us through these supernatural worlds and conversations. Speaking of, we have two really amazing guests. Stephanie strongly recommended bringing them on. And after looking into the content they provide and the perspective they provide on kind of the spirit world, yeah, it was a no-brainer. I'm so excited to have them here. We have Hero and Sean Clinn. They have a YouTube channel, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Make sure you check out their Instagram at unearthing underscore UTS and their YouTube page, Unearthing the Supernatural. Thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we love to find out before we kind of jump into the meat of the episode is where our guests fall in what we call the Believo meter. Zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts, and 10, they do believe in ghosts. Hero, where do you fall on that scale? Million? Let's break the scale. <laughs> it's been been a part of our lives since, since even, even before we were born. This is a, as, as far as for indigenous people, we have a very strong belief in the spiritual, the supernatural, and uh, paranormal. Awesome. And, and Sean Clem, would you say the same thing about you? I'm going to go off the Price is Right rules and do million and one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you were gonna say one just to cover your face. You need to add. You need to add the Jeopardy or is it the Jeopardy uh, like music to this? <laughs> I do have some game show music actually, but um... <laughs> well, cool. Well, cool. Well, Stephanie, how did you meet them? I know you have been on their YouTube show, but how did you all come in touch? Yeah, I was kind of like a creeper and I was watching them at Tombstone, Arizona. And I walked up to them. I said, oh, my God, you guys are awesome. Can I like talk your ear off? And <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so, Shanglin, when you all started to you've you've kind of grown up in this world, I would say, or you said even before or Hero said before you were you guys were born. What made you want to bring your perspective to the world? What made you want to get into the online space and share your point of view on the spirit world? Well, I, I believe it, it started out with being a fan. So growing up and everything, we, we used to watch a lot of TV shows, ghost hunting shows and everything. And kind of growing up, really looking at the way we grew up and watching how these guys interact with spirits, you know, we feel like there was a lot of evidence that they were missing out on as far as for the indigenous and native aspect of things. And we wanted to see like, okay, this, there's a lot of untapped potential out there. There's a lot of untapped stories that people are missing out there just because um, they don't know the languages. They don't know the stories behind certain spirits that are out there. And a lot of times there's certain ways you got to, uh, communicate with these spirits that are out there and growing up the way that we did my brother being who he is we've been uh i guess you can say communicating with ghosts more so than the average indigenous person 
And um, so we wanted to be able to bring that to the forefront and just be able to show people, you know, what us indigenous people can do, as well as spark interest in our own people, uh, spark interest in our younger generations to be able to say, hey, our culture is awesome. Our culture is cool. This is the potential that we have. So let's go ahead and start learning our ways, because a lot of times our our ways are kind of dying out in this new modern age. So we're trying to keep that alive. We're trying to keep the spark going, the interest going in our culture. And Hero, what was your first interaction with ghosts or spirits? My fr- I was always told by my mom and my grandmother and relatives that when they would take me to ceremony as a little baby, there was always like signs of the spirits kind of interacting with me, um, me looking at places where there's no physical person there and kind of just all my young life. I always thought of them, or I guess some adults would call them imaginary friends. To me, they were very real, and they turned out to be very real. And so pretty much growing up, I would say the first experience that I really had that I guess, uh, if I guess to answer the question that kind of, like, I recognize, like, that's a ghost. I would have to say would be when I was um, really young. I can't remember the age, but it was a Christmas party. And we were staying at a very infamous house that my brother knows that we still have nightmares about. And um, I remember it was, it was a Christmas party and I had a huge migraine headache. I was having a really hard time just as a little kid. And I didn't know what to do with this headache. And I was too little to really take any ibuprofen or anything. So I'm just going and I just laid down on the ground and I just had my kind of my head between my legs and I was just like literally trying to lay on my head, trying to find a position for relief for my head. And I remember kind of laying on the ground there and the kids were running around, the, the, the adults were in the living room and stuff like that, but I was in the bedroom. I think there was a couple other kids in there, but I was just like zoned out, like half asleep and just kind of in a weird state. And I remember looking towards the doorway because I thought like my mom or my dad was right there. And instead, I remember seeing this figure, this kind of dark looking figure come up to me and then run his hands through my through my my head. And I remember seeing kind of like a black um, he had a black cowboy hat with a silver band around the, the, the brim of it. And so he ran his head, his hand through my hair and uh, kind of calmed me down. And he was the one that took away my migraine. And I just remember, I thought it was like a grandpa that came by. I thought it was someone like that, but I couldn't quite see him like fully. And um, he ran his hands through my hair. It, I was, I was better. And I kind of like, just fell asleep there. You know, as a little kid, you're kind of getting like babied and you kind of just fall asleep to someone just kind of taking care of you. And when I woke up and I had no, no headache, I remember my mom and dad getting, saying, get up, go, go to your bed, go lay down on your bed. I'm like, okay. And I had that memory for a long time and then I remember asking, uh, I think it was just a few months later, I asked my parents and my grandparents, I said, who's the man in the cowboy hat um, who, who showed up to the party? And they said, no one like that was there at the party. And I described him and what I felt, what I saw. And it turns out that he was actually our great, great grandfather, two greats. Um, and um, his name was Tim Tonzona, and um, he came. That was the first time I saw him, and he was a, a medicinal person back in the day. His spirit came, helped me out, and that was just kind of the start, I think, to a lot of the different signs and just uh, me interacting with spirits and ancestors a long ago, uh, and just them taking care of me and me 
doing my best. And Sean Clinton, what is your relationship with Hero? He's my brother. <laughs> he's my actual uh, <laughs> he's my actual blood brother. So yeah, we 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 kind of had to grow up together. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I left that out at the beginning. So uh, you two, obviously you said, you know, you grew up together. Were you having experiences early on as Hero was as well? Not at the degree he was, but things did happen, especially in the houses that we used to live in. Oh my God. And kind of being, or how should I say, living with somebody who has a spiritual gift, you kind of get the rebound effect of a lot of things that he goes through. And sometimes you see the after effects, maybe not in full detail, but I still remember seeing things inside of the house as well that used to pick on my brother, pick on me a lot, actually. So yeah, it, it was it was pretty wild uh, kind of living with him and going through all these things throughout all these years. You know, I used to be terrified child of literally everything in the world and you know it's just pretty much you know you just got to live with it you just got to push on like i just want to backpedal a little bit because you uh hero you also mentioned something well you guys have mentioned it a few times too uh throughout like uh your content and everything but for those people that are listening because i think there is like a an idea what people think is like medic a medicinal or medicine person versus like what you guys actually like what what is the real definition versus like the pop culture can you elaborate on that before we segue away from that <laughs> i really kind of want to point at the word uh shaman um that word uh is from tibet it's a referring to a tibetan uh religion and culture so be it definitely, I, uh, whoever is psychic, whoever has, I definitely recommend being careful with that word. Um, but every tribe has their word for, I guess, medicine man is hatathli, um, someone who has either been gifted or has trained in the ways of the traditional language, traditional songs and ceremonies. And they have a certain connection to the spirits. They know about the ancient laws, the natural laws. And they know how to interact with spirits, whether it is to heal, whether it is to diagnose, whether it is to go against the darkness and bring balance back or other types of ceremonies. There's a lot of different ceremonies to really kind of put a person back into balance or even a place back into balance. So a medicinal person is pretty much someone who has that sacred knowledge, has that sacred connection to spirits and has that knowledge to to kind of know how to interact it's like you have to know your table manners you have to know how to walk into like a fancy restaurant kind of kind of similar to that to think about is that a medicine person knows how to walk into the spirit world and how to interact with the different types of spirits and then uh, be a liaison for us physical beings and even the, the natural world around us we are that bridge we are that connection I love that. I know I've been guilty of that too. Like I've misused that word. And after a while, I was like, I kind of feel cringe using this word because I don't think, it, and like, I see a lot of like, no offense for people listening, but I see a lot of like people that are not indigenous using that word more than anything. And then like they certify themselves or they say they're certified as a shaman and then they like say indigenous stuff. And I'm like, I'm so lost. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, it, it has developed kind of a stigma of its own, its own kind of personality. 
But that's where I say you have to be real careful with that. Because if you introduce yourself to these spirits as that, these spirits still recognize that word as being from overseas, being from Tibet, being from those mountains. And they have their own specific songs and ceremonies that are very powerful as well. And so when you introduce yourself like that, that's how they see you. And it's like, okay, so you're not from this particular turtle island. You're from the overseas, over the oceans. And so that's where I try to tell people, be very careful with how you introduce yourself, uh, how you present yourself, because these spirits will be, will kind of sometimes take you very literally. So be very careful with that. Um, it's no offense to anyone, because that's just how some people were taught. And that's just kind of what was, is their world, but just trying to just spread some knowledge and some understanding and maybe help someone out when they interact with spirits. So I guess this is another question too, since we're on that topic, can you guys talk a little bit more about that? Like the old way, how you guys were taught to handle spirits. And I know like even in your bio, I think it's um, a combat warrior, right? A spiritual combat warrior. Can you go into a little bit of that? Because I I didn't know anything about that until I started like looking you guys up and learning about your work. There's a lot of different pathways that you can take when learning how to become a, 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 a Hatafi. Sorry, my mouth is kind of dry. <laughs> Just people speak Navajo and a dry mouth is really hard. To become a medicine man, there's a lot of things you have to learn and also a lot of paths that you can take to be able to specialize. And, and my brother, during his trainings, he learned, or he was kind of tasked with the the Hushkes ceremonies. And in our in our ceremonies, the Hushkes ceremonies are the warrior ceremonies, uh, the ones that go against the darkness ceremonies. So if somebody were to have like a, say, a, a bad ghost or a demon or a monster or something in their home, you know, a, a normal medicine man who knows the the good way ceremonies can do stuff, but not to the extent of like what my brother can. So there's different specialities when it comes to these things. And that's the kind of path that my brother has taken is learning the Hushkes ceremonies and being a warrior to be able to go against these things. So let's, for an example, um, when we say we combat these things, when we say we literally fight these things, that's true. You know, you can kind of think of like the, uh, the Bible, how it says, you know, there's a war between heaven and hell. That's true. But there's also other factions that are involved. Indigenous people have their factions that go against good and evil as well. So that's why you you see us on our episodes. We we wear armor, we have weapons and everything because when we say we go against evil, we dispatch them. We get rid of evil spirit. Uh, they're literally ready to kill somebody. You have to protect them to the utmost extent. So those are kind of the rules that we go by and what the warrior way is actually. And I don't think we mentioned, is your background Navajo? Is that correct? Yeah, so the background is Navajo. That's where you hear a lot of the uh, our how we introduce ourselves, where we come from, our clans. But when uh, you kind of we go into it, when I was 13 years old, I was selected to be part of like a cultural exchange program is kind of what I call it in English. Um, but pretty much I was um, selected as taken away from uh, school and I had to be able to travel all across Turtle Island, all across the North and South America, Mid Central America, to be able to interact with the different tribes, different people, and literally be fully immersed in those particular trainings and teachings. So uh, some of the songs, some of the ceremonies, and even some of the behaviors of interacting with spirits, I had to be able to learn how those different tribes interacted with those spirits, how to interact with those particular spirits. So that way, when I'm out in my travels, I know how to contact help. 
I know how to interact with the tribes of the area. I know how to interact with the spirits of the area and acknowledge them. So that was very important when it came to our learning. Um, I wasn't the only one. There was four of us from the Navajo tribe, the Diné tribe. And then there was other also, uh, we're classified as guardians. And there were also other guardians that were selected that were of that around that age, 11, 12, 13 years old, to partake in this cultural exchange program. And it was a very harsh program, a very intense program to where we literally lived the warrior way. We lived off the land. We lived to basically survive. And we had to be able to survive a lot of different trials and tribulations to learn what we had to learn and interact with the spirits in the very strong and particular way that we did. So to say that our ceremonies and stuff are just Navajo isn't completely true. Um, what we have is from the high council, is from the pretty much multiple tribes and that's how the spirits interact with us. That's where I learned uh, different languages. Spiritual language is what I call it in English, but it's called They say it's a spiritual language. Um, it's a language that we use to create the world around us. And it's also the language that you learn when you pass on to the next world. And so that's where it's interesting. We use that language, ghost hunting, and spirits talk back to us. Even if they aren't indigenous, somehow they know that language as well. So that's a little bit of a quick, real quick summary rundown of, uh, of that background of who we are and where our ceremonies and stories come from. And one thing I would love to get both of your opinions on, since you are here, so we all enjoy talking about the supernatural, kind of following what's going on. And because of the way the world works now with social media or has worked for a while, things can trend, things can become kind of instantly popular. And sometimes those are things that can get a bit propagated and people don't really understand even what they're trending or showing. What is both of your opinions on how certain people are taking what they're calling catching skinwalkers and posting it on TikTok and kind of creating this viral trend when in reality, that's a word that means a lot of, means a very specific I don't know if entity is the right word because anyway, you guys know way more than I do about it, but just even if you do a base level of research, you kind of will learn like, oh, I probably, what I thought I knew from watching these TikTok videos is completely wrong and I should really do some more learning. I would have to say maybe 85 to 95% of everything that maybe you see on Facebook or TikTok or mainly TikTok is kind of wrong. They get some aspects right, you know, as I haven't seen all of them, but mostly all of them that I see is all like there's a random person in, you know, like Florida standing in a field screaming and they're like, it's a skinwalker. I'm just like, oh, my, oh my God, no, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's it, it's it has become a trend. And uh, luckily, there are a few good TikTokers out there that I've seen that are like. You know, that are not even indigenous that are like, hey, you know, I got a bro who's Navajo and he told me what this actually is. Yeah. And um, the Yanagloshi is its actual name, the Yanagloshi, the jump in the skins uh, or skinwalker, what what, uh, what people call it these days. English is very is a very dangerous language, I would, ha I would have to say. They generalize a lot of things. Uh, when it comes to the Navajo language or spiritual language, there's very specific words that are created for very specific things. And uh, skinwalkers kind of become a very loose term. Um, Yenagloshis originate, exist, and come from the Navajo Nation. So if you are to possibly see a skinwalker outside of the Navajo Nation, 
is probably a Navajo in you know maybe the the neighborhood where you live by that maybe know how to knows how to jump in the skins you know um but typically you'll probably only see them in Navajo Nation and they are I don't want to say unfortunately kind of dying out but they're they're coming more rare uh as of nowadays because a lot of people really aren't picking up the craft and uh but originally medicinal people used to travel the four sacred mountains in our Navajo nation. And it pretty much covers Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. So there's two in Colorado, one in New Mexico, one in Arizona. I, I previously got that wrong. My brother had a, is a different sacred mountain. I apologize. But, um, so medicinal people used to have to travel to those four sacred mountains in how long was it brother? Was it four days? Or one day. They would do it in one evening. Oh, one evening. It was yes. a four-day ceremony to prepare it, but it was just one evening they would travel. Yeah. So they, they had to travel to three different states to be able to gather herbs and sand from these mountains to do a very uh, sacred and powerful ceremony. And they learned, the spiritual people taught them how to shapeshift into a deer, uh, a coyote, an eagle at some times, very rarely that they can do that one. But um. They learned how to do that to be able to traverse the land really quickly, but it's a long and extensive ceremony to be able to learn how to shapeshift into an animal. So with that, a lot of people started saying, oh, I don't want to do the ceremony. You know, I don't want to learn all these things. It's going to take me years and years and years to learn how to do this. And darkness and evil came up and they're like, I can teach you how to do this. You can do it within a couple of days. Like, really? So, yeah. So it's like, all right, well, what do I have to do? It's like, well, you have to sacrifice a loved one. Someone you hold dearest to your heart. Could be your child, could be your wife, could be your mother, father, grandmother, whoever you have in your family, you have to sacrifice the one you love the most. And with that, there's a couple other different things that we won't get into. Uh, it's kind of graphic and very gory. Um, but once you learn how to do that, they are can kind of also considered grave robbers. So they would go to a lot of graveyards, gather up the bones of somebody who recently died, grind up their bones, use their body parts and everything to make poisons. And they have the ability to paralyze you too as well. So when they paralyze you, it be you're in your sleep or when you're half asleep state or even while you're wide awake too, the powerful ones can do that. They would freeze you and they would get that poison and you they would stare you right in the eye and blow that poison right in your face if you don't get a ceremony done within like four days you're dead so very very powerful beings everybody on the navajo nation has stories you know something in the middle of the night jumping on the roof walking around you know looking out their window they see somebody standing out there and so many different stories out there uh, the navajo nation is a very royal area so your nearest neighbor is probably like a mile or two away so pretty much the only people that you live with is your family and those are your neighbors. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely very, very scary, very powerful. You are not really supposed to talk about them unless you really know how to counteract the bad medicines, the bad prayers or curses that they might send upon you. Uh, Cause they're kind of like a real, they, they try to be a secret society, but phew, that's out the window now. Um, <laughs> so my brother and I, um, he, he was trained in the ways to be able to counteract those medicines, those evils, and he passed those teachings on to me as well. So now we, I guess you can say, kind of have the right to be able to talk about them because we can handle them if they ever try to step up on us. 
Wow. You know, I guess like since you're talking about like, you know, having like a right or a path or pathage to like, uh, you know, say that you know how to combat evil. What's the difference between that and versus, okay, I know I'm thinking about exorcisms, like exorcisms and like, you know, how like priests and Catholic priests have the right to exorcise demons out of people. Where would your practice fall into? Is it similar? Is it different? Yeah. So I guess the act of getting rid of a, of a dark entity, either within someone or within an object or within the land you you do very similar things you you have songs you have ceremonies and you're calling upon um, the natural laws you're calling upon the spirits to help you out and you're basically that bridge you yourself are the tool to be able to kind of combat and get rid of these things and bring balance back to whatever it is you're trying to fix so in a sense it's very similar to where they like, like they have the book they have their uh jish so I just watched um, The Pope's Exorcist as, as a movie. I was really happy with how they did that because how he acts and then even carrying his suitcase of all his uh, paraphernalia, his his sacred objects is like how we carry around our sacred objects and just kind of how he is. Uh, it, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was like that that aspect right there is very similar to medicinal people and how we handle something like that. Now, the next thing is like usually um you make sure the patient's all right if it comes down to it i'd say the exorcist uh, exorcist depending on who they are and their levels they only have that jish to kind of stand there they only have those words and they rely on the spirits to really help them out they rely on the angels they rely on god in the name of jesus to kind of help them out in those particular situations as indigenous people, the ones who are specifically trained to deal with these things, these entities, you have to be able to be able to kind of walk into hell, walk into the darkest places, be able to walk somewhere where spirits, where God, where Jesus isn't. Can you handle yourself you by yourself? Can you face the devil by yourself? Can you face the demons and darkness and evil by yourself on your own two feet, on your own self because sometimes that's what it takes to be able to help someone or something and sometimes you get taken to these places sometimes these things manifest sometimes these things are become physical and they start scratching uh, attacking even ready to kill you have to be able to physically and spiritually combat these beings as an indigenous person there have been there have been times and really dark pretty much ceremonies that that we had to kind of go up to where I didn't have the creator. I didn't have the spirits around me. I didn't even my tools for some reason were gone. And so it was just me standing there. And the, these dark things, they know what how, how to bring you down to your lowest. They know how to bring you down lower, lower than anywhere, any place you've ever been. You feel lower than the ants. But you yourself have to be strong enough to get yourself out of that situation, to get yourself up and ready to fight, ready to combat, and ready to push back for yourself, for your family that you're protecting. As a warrior, you have to be able to stand strong. So I think that's a huge aspect. Um, I know the exorcists uh, from overseas, they have their songs and prayers uh, for their particular religious groups, and they have very powerful uh, songs and ceremonies and their rites, everything that they have is very powerful. But then again, as indigenous people, we are here on Turtle Island. There are natural laws that are here 
that sometimes those prayers won't exactly work to their fullest effect. When you're interacting with a being that has no ties to those beings overseas, then you have to know what to do to interact and combat those beings and get rid of them in a way to where they're not going to come back and your patient's going to be taken care of. And you have to go those extra steps, go those extra miles and be willing to help however you can. This episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey y'all, it's Noah Daniels and oh boy, I just got my box of Wild Grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads fresh pastas and artisanal pastries every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less no thawing required the next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast and you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can choose any combination of breads pastas and pastries You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com slash hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash hauntings. That's wildgrain.com slash hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. One thing I would like to know, and again, I would love to get both of your opinions on this. So we've seen kind of a rise of indigenous uh, people being in television shows or even shows now being created around, uh, you know, like, quote unquote, modern day indigenous society or life on the res, that kind of thing. What has that been like for both of you um, to see shows like Res Dogs, to see the, you know, uh, characters be being not just like ancillary characters in shows, but main characters in shows, um, you, you know, uh, more indigenous actors getting work, you know, I, I know this happened uh, with a lot of Asian actors, like in the past 10, 15 years, where now you're seeing more um, Asian content created, which has been really cool. Netflix has done a good job of, of pushing a lot of that content. But what has that been like for both of y'all? Is that exciting? Do you feel like Hollywood is kind of getting it right? Or are there things you wish you would see more of as it is kind of starting to find its way into pop culture? I honestly love it. It's it's 
one thing I love is that they're giving the creative freedom to our people. Because that's one thing that's kind of been bad in the past is it was always somebody outside of the culture trying to represent us. And they always got it wrong. You know, there's a, that's why there's like a lot of stereotypes out there about us. And when you, that's one thing with reservation dogs uh, that I think is hilarious is, you know, Stephen Harjo, um, he, he started up a YouTube channel called 1491s when I was in high school with Dallas Goldtooth you know, the spirit in the show and everything. And uh, Tito Yabara, all these guys were hilarious YouTubers. And they just trans, uh, they brought that humor uh, to reservation dogs. And I, I, I can kind of see how like a lot of the commentary that's on there, or the comedy that's on there is not relatable to a lot of people. And, and sometimes a lot of people won't understand unless like you're kind of in the reservation. We have a certain slang, you know, we, we, we talk shit to have fun with people you know and um but that's all out of love you know because we we're, we're we're essentially warrior people we're all strong people you know you always make sure you gotta have thick skin when you're around natives you know you can't be you know too soft otherwise you know they'll, they'll just bag on you and tease you about it teasing is a big thing in our in our culture and with prey coming out too prey was oh my god that, that was amazing to be able to see you know, that, that tribe to be able to go against a predator and everything. And they did pretty good, you know, and uh, it's just, I think it's really amazing to be able to see our culture bloom the right way. And that's one thing that we're trying to do is just represent our people the best we can as well. And not try to like oversell our, because that's one thing is cultural appropriation is a huge thing. And we don't want anybody to steal our culture, steal our ceremony, because you'll see that you know, a lot of times where people try to take our ceremonies, our songs, our culture and everything and monetize it for their own needs. And so that's why in our content, you'll never see a full song. You'll never see a full ceremony done because for the protection of the people that are watching, uh, the, the, they can get hurt if they do things the wrong way. And um, but kind of going back to how I feel about it, you know, I love it. I want to see more of it. You know, it always brings me a smile because, you know, to be able to see our people, you know, on the big screen is really awesome because we've gone through a lot, man, all the way up until, you know, 1990s of residential schools, all the way up in Canada, kids being stolen, our culture being ripped away from us is there's a lot of, I guess you can say gatekeeping of our culture, gatekeeping of our people because of the traumas that happened to us. That's why I think we're really starting to kind of go out there and be like, okay, you know, let's kind of go about out of our normal boundaries. Let's laugh with the people. Let's show people our culture. Let's show its beauty out there to everybody. So I think it's a beautiful time to be native right now, man. <laughs> um. So, you know, I think that's amazing too. And you're right, like representation matters. I mean, it matters that you guys are in this space. You know, I, I know we've had discussions on it in the past. And so I guess like the other thing, because I've seen this on social media with uh, native people coming out and, you know, being in any space really like showing who they are, what they are about and what's the ethical way to talk about things. And so I guess the question with that, have you guys ever experienced, cause I know sometimes with being in the public eye, you're still going to get backlash, whether it's from your own people or outsiders. So can you talk a little bit about what that's been like? Because like, I know that you don't hear every day that there are Navajo paranormal paranormal investigators that's not a common thing so can you talk a little bit about that there is a lot of like my brother said there is a lot of trauma there's a lot of gatekeeping there's a lot of hardships 
that we as indigenous people have gone through and the old stigma is to to not show anything keep everything super super hidden super secret and so nowadays it's really easy to be able to go out there and to to kind of show yourself show off indigenous people and that who we are truly and it is a beautiful culture it is a beautiful way of life and people are fascinated by it so i think there are some content creators and even us included where we feel like we're walking on ice it's like okay we are the pretty much that we're setting the path for our future of how much do we show how much can we tell and it's 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 a it's an interesting journey to go through um for us because we aren't there it's a taboo to be kind of dealing with the dark to do, be dealing with spirits, let alone be recording it and telling these songs and these ceremonies and these stories. Um, we have gotten permission from the High Council um, based on who we are and our responsibilities. We understand as well of what we need to keep sacred, what we show and what we can show and what we don't show. Um, they understand that we, we understand how to protect that. And so they've given us the rights to be able to do that. Um, a lot of these songs and ceremonies, they, are on, they were on the verge of being extinct. I know several ceremonies that we have brought back from extinction. And so there aren't a lot of people that know these particular songs and ceremonies and ways of interacting. It's, it's almost, you can pretty much almost count them on your hand. And that's unfortunate because these songs and ceremonies were extremely important to not only us as humans, but to the spirits as well. They relied on us heavily a long time ago. We used to interact with them on a daily basis, on a seasonal basis, on very sacred times. And now that we've been pushed our reservations, now that kind of we've, we're, we're struggling to try to keep our language, our ceremonies and songs going, these spirits are starving. They miss those interactions. They cry for us. And so what we can do, because we can't push anyone out of the United States anymore. It is going to be a melting pot. So what we can do is try to be able to at least give some teachings to be like, hey, understand where you're at. Understand there may be spirits out there that are indigenous based. And this is how you give respect to them. You give them some food offering. You acknowledge them. You uh, put some tobacco down, something of those lines, because these spirits are going to be reaching out, especially with all this development happening. Sometimes your home might be on an old sacred grounds, old spiritual grounds, and just you acknowledging them, saying, hey, I'm sorry what happened. I'm living here now. I'm going to take care of this home. I'm going to take care of my family, and I'm going to take care of the land around me. I'm not going to do anything crazy or stupid. Can you please um acknowledge i acknowledge you can you just take care of us while we're here we're only here on this earth for a short amount of time and so just having that acknowledgement having that understanding is something we want to teach and um a little bits at a time little bits at a time that people can kind of absorb um see if we can kind of change up the paranormal community and how they interact with spirits and just keep, provide some good teachings for people that's just kind of our hope at unearthing the supernatural and to kind of stem off of that, uh, going back to the question is, yeah, we do get a lot of backlash a lot of times from our own people. So, and I really do think the reasons why is because Hollywood, Hollywood, I think is the biggest uh, reason why we don't, we never shared our ceremonies. We never uh, filmed or did anything like that. Uh, our, our ceremonies were essentially illegal up until 1970s. If you were to caught doing our ceremonies back then, you'd get tossed in jail. So the 1970s, our, our ceremonies were finally legalized. So with that, though, 
a lot of our elders that did know those ceremonies and everything went to boarding schools. And those boarding schools were, if you would uh, speak your language, do anything traditional like that, you would get beaten. And a lot of times, a lot of kids died there as well. So uh, that's why insane asylums were originally founded, were for medicinal people to get tested on, on their spiritual abilities like that. So indigenous people, they would steal medicinal people from their tribes. So with that, you had that generation coming up from all that where it's just like, hey, you know, don't do the ceremony. Hey, don't show these people this. Don't, don't. Those were our elders. Those are my grandparents. You know, that's, that's, that's not too long ago. That's my grandparents and great grandparents. They all went through that. My mother was the last generation to go through boarding schools. And um, that's how recent it is. So kind of dealing with that trauma, you have a lot of people like that on the reservation to where everybody was told, hey, just don't, don't mess with that. You know, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't show this. Don't do that to these people to where at the times, yes, that was correct. Don't do that. But I feel like today's day and age, people are ready to listen. People are ready to learn. People are like, okay, you know, all that trauma and stuff happened in the past. Let's go ahead and start anew with this generation that we're trying to bring up and everything. It's a lot more connected, I guess you can say, where a lot more people are open. And I have to thank social media for that. And it's good sides and bad sides, like I said. You know, it, there's there's people who want to learn, and then you have the gatekeeping traditional natives out there. It's like, hey, don't be doing that, don't be doing this, yada yada. You guys don't know what you're doing, you know. And then they 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 know our whole life story just off of one 30 second video. <laughs> you know, they they assume they know who we are and everything. But you know, I just I press delete, you know, because I don't want to get an argument with them. You know, it's just like, all right, well, you know, it's. You do your thing, bro. It's just like, if you don't want to take the time to learn who we are or where we come from, you know, it's just like, why should I give you the time of day? And so we always come with everything with respect and everything. We don't want negative vibes and all that. So it's just like, uh, you guys don't do this. You guys don't do that. Okay, cool. Thank you. Just redirect you to my channel to find out who we are. <laughs> so that's a, a good segue as we kind of come up on our hour. I would love for y'all to share with our audience. What are some of the... I mean, I, I know all your content is great, but for a new viewer, what are some of the highlights that they should go watch to kind of really introduce them into the type of content you're creating and sharing? All of it. Go watch all of it. Just kidding. <laughs> I would have to say some of the highlight episodes that we have is Old Gila County Jail. Uh, that one, we actually got to see, you get to actually see Hero grab a dark entity and throw it across a room. Uh, you get to see some crazy interaction and spiritual talk coming through an SB7. Uh, also, I recommend the Old Wash Show Club. Uh, you get to see Hero perform an exorcism on one of our uh, members who is unfortunately possessed on uh, on that episode. And one of our most recent ones, I would have to say, is the Anasazi Cave on my end because uh, that one you get to see more of the lore the history and stories of our land and where we come from some of the deities we run into so those ones i would have to say those three old gila county jail um washoe club and the anasazi cave stephanie thank you so much for introducing us or introducing them um to our show and our audience I would love to have you all back on at some point. I feel like really we're just scratching the surface of what you could share to our audience. But of course, that's why they need to go 
check out your content. They're not going to give it all away here, guys. Uh, so make sure you go to their YouTube. That's Unearthing the Supernatural and their Instagram, Unearthing underscore UTS. And Stephanie, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, I agree. They have so much stuff. And um, I got a little bit of it too when I when I met them. And I can go on about that too, but I know we're at the hour. <laughs> so like, I I mean, like I said, we only scratch, I think like maybe like, maybe like 1% of like everything, <laughs> but I think it's good stuff though. It's a good introduction for like the viewers. Cause I, I really can't stress out enough. Like that's why I was like, I got to introduce you guys to like a lot of people I know because mm. like it is, it is like a breath of fresh air and you guys are so gentle too. Like, and I mean that in a nice way, like, cause people can be kind of like mean about it and very authoritative, but like you guys are very gentle, like inviting with the knowledge that you guys have to give. So I really love that about your guys' work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great to be on the show. Uh, Noah, I just want to say thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so much for getting us in touch with them. Uh, I had a really great time on here. Oh, great questions. Great, great interactions. I always love, a. Uh, a show that's wanting to go deep into the questions and cause that's kind of who we are is like, there's always so much more and tons of knowledge that, that we have that we'd love to share and just have those genuine connections, those genuine conversations. And that's, that's the core of, of who we are. So I can't help. Thank you, Noah, Stephanie for having us on. And uh, we look forward to being on again and talking with uh, your audience even more. And I've never met, I've never felt more embarrassed to ask people to do this, but we do have a special way we wrap up our episodes on watching Stephanie's face. Uh, um, but basically, we just say our names, and then at the end, we all go, woo, like four <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> we'll add a I'm little down. native flair to it. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's do it. I'm awesome. down. <laughs> With that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Stephanie Strange. I'm Hero. I'm Sean Clinton. <laughs> Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.